Welcome to the Chronicles of the Event Ninja. This is Ninja, aka GL, and on today's podcast, I have Grenton BTW at Grenton BTW on most social media, uh, including Twitch and Twitter. He is a esports caster on demand, but he also stream on Twitch at Grenton BTW in World of Warcraft. But the thing is, I know him as an esports caster. He has esports casted at LANRTS, DreamHack Montreal, and at other venues, uh, in which that's where I actually met him and everything. And like I did my ninja trick. I've gotten him in photos. And from that point on, we actually talked to each other and like we reached out, we said hello. And after that, like I find, and when I drop in on his stream and everything, it was very interesting on what he was saying and everything. And I wanted to bring him on to talk a bit about casting. What does it involve? What are the intricacies? Esports as a whole, the econ- economy behind it and everything as a caster and as an organization, because he was part of an organization in, in the past and everything. He worked with organization under contract and everything. Also, um, in different tournaments, what does it mean to be cast a caster and everything? Um, yes, since retired or resurfaced also during the World of Warcraft phase and everything, but I wanted to speak on his expertise on that particular avenue casting and everything because um if you ever went to a wwe live then that's the world wrestling entertainment business of wrestlers such as hulk hogan the rock stone cold right nowadays i mean john cena uh, roman reign and everything so those are name of wrestlers um you need the announcers to give you the play-by-play to give you excitement to give you informations and everything if you actually went to a live show you're missing out on all of that and to me when i want to watch like an esports event i need that filling moment of the casting part like i need to hear about the timbits the play-by-play the excitement they're the one that's ramping me up to actually enjoy watching the uh, tournament that I'm watching or the, the game that I'm watching and everything. So we'll talk to him about all that and then some. Stay tuned. And welcome to the podcast, Grenton. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What's so funny is the fact that I always call you Jerry and that's the intro and everything. And after that, I don't know where you decide to rebrand yourself as Grenton. Yeah, <laughs> BTW, and I was by like, way, yep. "Yeah, by the way, it's like, okay, what's the reason why you you got sick of everybody just like cheering for you, uh, saying Jerry, Jerry, Jerry." I mean, well, so my name before was Handsome, right? So yeah, it was a pretty, it was just like a big meme. That's I didn't expect to go anywhere in the industry when I first made the name, and it's just you are a meme. Where, where's yeah. these memes that came Where from? Are these memes. I mean, yeah. having the name Handsome is just very pretentious, uh, right? Especially when you're a caster. So I was okay. like, uh, I think it's time for me to, you know, get a little bit more mature. I'm but you chose that more. That, you yeah. chose that name. I did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But was, was it with the, the intention name. to be pretentious or it just? Uh, it was definitely with the intention to ruffle feathers. Like I enjoy, I enjoy sparking <laughs> like reactions from people, right? So it was definitely like I, I wasn't just an innocent little boy picking this name, right? I picked it kind of with a purpose in mind, but now with, it, definitely with intent because I can, intent, I can yeah. still see it. 
Exactly, of course. It's kind of like everybody's calling me ninja now, and it's like I, I'm afraid one of these days I'll get on nin- real the real ninja's radar. Yep. But the thing is, it's like he, ch- he he took a generic name, like you know, uh, well, technically Japanese people invented ninjas, so I don't see why he. Yeah, but now he's ninja, it. right? So. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. Like we're gonna have to battle <laughs> it at one point. Yep, you're gonna have to fight. <laughs> it is what it is, dude. It is what Except it is. he can hire ninja to kick my ass, so that's the difference. Where I actually have to train myself for this. I think uh, you yeah. So, you got out of casting, did you? I'm not technically out of casting. I'm so I'm not contracted right now as a caster. So I'm back to being freelance. Like before, I was contracted by different uh, tournament organizers and stuff like that. So I still definitely like I still cast. I just do it very casually, Sporadic. I guess you can say, or sporadically. That's probably a better way to say it. Is I, yeah. I do it a lot more sporadically than uh, I used to. Uh, just yeah, because that's like, where I, I met you and I saw you, right? So it was yeah, at LAN exactly. RTS, DreamHack also. Well, you did a few LAN RTS, that's for sure. And after that, obviously, I pulled my ninja trick on, on you and everything. It yep, was doing exactly. uh, the CSGO out, out of everything. But I know you more a bit of the on the Rainbow Six side. But right. you, you go both ways, like, you know, CSGO, flip-flop. It's like first-person shooters, basically. and. Mm-hmm and everything and after that uh you're also a player obviously yeah. you played a bit of the csgo especially last year you did you were part of the uh show match yeah versus, the show match uh, against the canadian armed forces mm-hmm. yeah that was super super Sarvian. fun that was super fun right it's like yeah. you get to play i think two hours worth or something yeah we played a well we played a, a best of three on friday and then i was actually working the event i was working dreamhack so i didn't do the second show match which i think was saturday or sunday yeah. uh but they, they did two and i did the first one on the friday like during the day and that was super yeah. fun yeah super yeah, yeah, yeah so what do you find so so you know, you played in teams and competitively and, and stuff like that. What did you find fun about the fact that you faced off against like real military people that was trained by Miss Harvey and stuff? Well, everyone knows the meme of like, oh, the military should just go recruit people from Call of Duty or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, they want to shoot guns in video games. Let them go shoot guns in real life. So it's kind of cool to see like the flip side of that where you had people who actually like they had no intention of being esports players or anything like that. But they're full-time military personnel and just for some like for some hype and for like a good cause and to like show that they care about the industry they decided to come play against esports players in a, in a game of our choice right so obviously it didn't turn out too well for them like it was it was a, it was a wash like we we definitely had a lot of fun uh, just memeing and we did obviously win but like, well, you were with, actually uh, pretty livid, good. Li- you were honest. with Livid Gaming, right? So you were with Andrew well, and everybody like, else. It was like the Livid management, I guess you can say, right? So like it wasn't <laughs> Livid players. If it was Livid Thank players, goodness. it would have probably, probably been a lot more one-sided than it was. But it was like, yeah, you had uh, Citizen, who's Andrew, who's one of the owners. You had Yeti, who is another owner, uh, who still is another owner, I should say. Yeah. But you had the girls. We had couple, yeah, we had a couple girls from the CSGO uh, Livid female team, which was super fun. But yeah, it was definitely a great experience. Um, a, lo- a lot of the people, like a lot of the attendees at DreamHack absolutely loved it. Like there was a pretty big crowd. Like the Friday we did it, I think it was at noon or 11 in the morning when people are still coming and like setting up. And we had yeah. a full, we had a full crowd. And then on the Saturday yeah. I had walked by because I was, like I said, I was working the event and I'd walked by and it was it was packed to the point where people were like standing behind just to kind of like watch what's going on. So yeah. it was definitely a really fun uh, experience for sure. 
did they walk away? Like, I know that you, you chatted with them after the match, you know, for showmanship and everything. Did they make any remarks or congratulations or they didn't think that it would be hard or whatever there is? Well, like, I mean, so we actually, we actually, there was a couple of the guys that we actually hung out with throughout the weekend. So yeah. we actually got to know a couple of them pretty well. And we were actually, I think, more surprised at how good some of them were than the other way around. Like they were expecting, I'm assuming they're expecting to lose, right? Like it's like, oh, let's, it's like if we said, okay, let's go do a military training simulator with like paintball guns or something. Like we're obviously <laughs> not going to win. You know what I mean? I we're will like not blank. go into the paintball arena with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's obviously, there's obviously some stuff that everyone has their strengths, right? So they, I'm sure they came in expecting to lose and they just came out to have fun. But yeah. the person who was on the op, and for those of you who don't know, the op is the sniper rifle in Counter-Strike. For those, yeah. for the guy who was on the op, he was unreal. Like this guy could probably play like in amateur leagues, and he's like that was very shocking to us, and I still remember it to this day. But uh, yeah, like we were talking after on stage for a bit, and they were <laughs> some of them were reacting how like unreal some of the reaction times that we have are, and then we were reacting how how good that one guy was because he really did blow us away. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. Like we, it's 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 cool to kind of get to know what makes like different people tick you know what i mean oh yeah especially like you know considering it's military background right so basically it's it's a real live job and they're serving our country and yeah they're and not that. And after that, like they're, that yeah and after that like obviously they also got trained and worked with miss harvey and everything and in terms of getting prep time and everything but i think it's after that wearing your there's also like a different dynamic when you're playing off offline right so basically you know all the offline tournaments and stuff like that is a different oh, yeah. beast comparing to online with pings and oh everything. yeah so basically they, when you're playing on land it's so much better like everything is a lot more responsive and if you haven't played on land it's actually it actually takes some getting used to if i'm being completely honest with you like if you're a first time like if you're like an online an online gamer who plays a lot of online tournaments and you're crushing like you won't just go into land and dominate it'll be weird because everything like whether you realize it or not, if you're playing online, especially for FPS games, at one point you're going to start compensating for the latency that you have, whether it's high latency or low latency. But when you're on land, you have zero latency because you're on land. Yeah. So it's we're talking about little, like a little bit of a one. Curve. We're talking about one milliseconds of like ping and stuff like that. compared to like twenty or thirty. And yeah. F- in some games, it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. But in FPS games, it's pretty important for sure. Absolutely yeah and that's and like it's it's a lot of time that case right like i've seen a lot of great uh esports teams that like you know they crush it on the online they make qualifiers or group stage whatever there is the minute you take them offline like i think like dota 2 and league of legends for example it's like a different totally different ball game you could be like 16 and 0 in your bracket and after that you go offline and it's basically game over and, yeah. and it just happens. And on top of that, equipment matters and everything. And I remember when I talked with uh, Citizen GG that, and uh, during um, LAN OTS this year, like they were playing spectacularly on Oshko's machine. After that, they went on the Omen machine and there were constant issues with the machines and everything. And yeah. That goes into the entire thing and everything. And I know that you are a streamer and everything. Mm-hmm. Does that really matter? Because I play always in mid-gear, so I never got to experience... Well, I, I play, like, whatever machine that they offer, like, you know, for visitors so and I'll, everything. But so I'll be you. honest. Um, 
like I was there. I wasn't. That was the one year that I didn't really uh, go. I wasn't involved. Well, I, I went, but I was just wasn't working the event this yeah, yeah. year, or uh, not this year, but like the last one that was actually a line ATS. It was this year for COVID, right? Yeah, it, it was yeah. pre-COVID. Oh yeah, it was, right, it was right pre-COVID. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So that's um, the computers that they had for the finals. If I'm like trying to stay partial, polite. <laughs> was uh it was almost mediocre at best the specs on those computers like there was a lot of issues and it wasn't just the csgo guys like there was a lot of uh people right. from other esports as well who are playing the finals who are complaining about the pcs and at, unfortunately that comes down to either a budgeting issue or uh just a oversight on the tournament organizers right like it's budget well had, it's budget budget and sponsors right i think they get yeah i mean uh, well i mean if omen is sponsoring you and you're getting computers that aren't really up to par, then it might be important to ask them either for better computers for the sponsorship or maybe look for other sponsors. Like that's what I'm saying. It's from a tournament organizer standpoint, there was definitely some errors that were done, but also from whoever works on the the marketing admin. and the uh, yeah, the admin side of things definitely should have double check been a little bit more uh, proactive. I guess like that's the word I could use. Proactive and attentive, I guess. Like that, that Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when, when was the last time you casted? Since you're on a contract uh, thing and everything. If I casted, last time I casted FPS would have been probably like smack during the middle of COVID. Okay. Uh, but I've casted like WoW tournaments, like PvP WoW tournaments and stuff like that uh, recently. And I cast like randomly for fun, but like my last paid work was a WoW tournament. Yeah. Which any super, any super anything commenting on Valorant right now since it's the big big thing right now? I actually haven't uh, casted Valorant uh, in a tournament like setting. I've casted it myself just to kind of feel learn how to cast it yeah. right. But uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely haven't casted it in a professional setting yet. But it's definitely a game that I am super pumped about uh, dipping my toes into if we uh, if we were. But you played a bit of, uh, with it during the uh, closed beta that they had, right? Yeah, I still play. I still play Valorant. It's just I don't play it as much as I do other games. But uh, yeah, you do like to cast a game. You need to be able to. You need to play the game at least at a at a basic level to kind of understand what's going on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I still play. I still play Valorant, and it's probably, in my opinion, uh, I don't know how hot of a take this is. It's probably a pretty common take at this point, but it's gonna be in my opinion one of the biggest fps esports in the world uh just because it's such a it's so it's easily accessible for a viewer to to watch and follow what's going on and the more and riot is just we see how invested they are when it comes into esports titles if we just look at league of legends so if valorant keeps on picking up traction they're not going to let it flop and they're going to invest money into the esports out of things so whether that's like a better spectator client uh bigger price pool stuff like that it's definitely going to be a if it isn't already at S tier eSport, it's going to be an S tier uh, S tier eSport in like the next, I'd say, like six months. Big you don't think it's a bubble? I don't think it's a bubble. No, Valorant. So the reason I don't think Valorant's a bubble is uh, so look at CS:GO, right? It's the it's the longest lasting FPS eSport period. Um, and what does CS:GO like? Why do people enjoy watching CS:GO? Is because 
player skill matters, right? Yes. So the gun skill in CSGO is everything, uh, having your, your good game sense, awareness of what's going on, yep. and being able to think on your feet and think proactively is the reason CSGO is such a big esport. And there's a reason why no two matches are the same, right? Uh, and then if you look at other esports titles like Overwatch, why is Overwatch popular? Because it's an easy game to watch. No oh, no, 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 no. I hate watching Overwatch like like manure. Right. It, it's such right, a right. headache, you know, like chaos. But you can't follow it. It's a very it's an easily accessible game to get into because yes. the 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 uh you can pick it up and play. Yep. And if you play for like 20 minutes, you can then watch it and know what's going on. And if yep. you have good casters, which the Overwatch League does, they're they ver- they can explain very easily uh what's going on to a new viewer. Yep. That's the difference between Overwatch and CSGO. Yep. CSGO is kind of difficult to pick up. Like, yeah, you understand like, okay, player A shoots player B and they win, but you don't really understand the intricacies of like a site. Why a person's good. Or, yeah, or or what he's doing. Yep. What Valorant does really well is it mixes the gun skill of CSGO with the accessibility of Overwatch into one game. So I really don't think it's a it's going to be a bubble just be, as long as Riot takes care of it, right? At the end of the day, it comes down to the developer wanting that game to grow in esports or not. And I'm 100% certain that riot is going to want to push valorant forward uh to an s tier esport and i like i'm a like 100 100 100 certain they can because i enjoy watching it like it's something that you can just put up on the tv or put up on your computer while you're doing other stuff and peek over and it's a good viewing experience it's not something that you got to be like 1000 percent dialed into during what like while you're watching it it's kind of like a traditional sport where you could just like oh you have a bunch of friends over put on the football game okay you have a bunch of friends over you put on the valorant game yeah and it's the same it's the same sort of viewing experience and that's a very unique viewing experience to fps genres now speaking of the other uh fps genre and i mentioned it earlier was uh, rainbow six right yeah and i started to grow very into rainbow six Especially it's when Rainbow Six, like it's in our backyard, right? And it's developed by Ubisoft Montreal. The Six International is in Place Bell in Laval and everything. And you got like 16 of the best teams in the world come fly into Montreal, like j- just to play for $2 million. Three, what was this year? Five yeah, million? I think, uh, was it, Six? No, I think it was two. I don't think it was that big. I think it okay. was. Two what was it? I think it was three, two okay. or three. Yeah. But I know that is, like, each player constant. who won yeah. got, yeah, no. So like Siege uh, did the same, kind of the same thing that Dota does in terms of crowdfunding their prize pool. So they guaranteed, yeah. I, forget, I forget what it was. I think they guaranteed like a million or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the rest was crowdfunded through cosmetic purchases in the game, which is how Dota does it. And yeah. Dota is like the king of esports. Like, yeah. there's 35 no million this year without a, yeah. without a tournament. Yeah. Casual, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's, so Siege definitely, like Ubisoft definitely uh, understood understood how to maximize their price pool and how to maximize their market with the lowest impact on their business. Because obviously, if you front a $3 million price pool, it's definitely going to hit your your off profit at the end of the year a lot different than if players fund your price pool, right? So, uh, And you're giving something back, right? You're not giving, like they're, they're, they're taking the edge of the margin off whatever they're selling, which is like virtual, oh, virtual wear. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a good the it's a good business turn like move both for the company and for the consumer. Yeah, uh, which is why it's so successful in esports. Is like people don't mind, especially people who are very into esports. They don't mind um, poning it up. What you call it? Yeah, poning it up. Exactly. They don't mind like spending because 
like I, I'm a, I don't know, uh, Cloud Nine or SSG or Dark Zero fanboy, and I apps and I want to wear their colors in game, just like traditional sports. But not only that, I want to support the players. Like I want Dark Zero to win because you know where the win, money. Goes. I want them to win the most money. Exactly, they're very transparent with it, yeah. and that's the most important part is to be transparent with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are. So that's always a good thing. Uh, I do think, like, I don't think Ubisoft is perfect in terms of how they're running their esport, but uh, they're definitely, like, they're on the right track. It's just that Seed is, is a tough game just because it's probably the least accessible game for a, for a new viewer to watch or pick up. In, in, yeah, in yeah. And I can tell you that game. for by experience, right? So I picked up yeah. the $10 base package the minute that the Six International finishes or ran, ran its thing. And after that, it's like, hey, Ubisoft, you can get the starter pack for like 10 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll go in it. And after that, like, I was getting blasted with these basic, like, you, you got to know what you're, it's not gun and shoot, right? So you have to work with your team. Yeah, exactly. And defending and attacking is different mechanics. Uh, you got to know your player. You got to have a lot of map awareness. So there's a lot of strategy that goes in it. And I've talked about it during my solo podcast where this is the reason why I'm really, really into it. That's the reason why I'm into Dota. That's why I'm into StarCraft 2. There's strategy involved. No two games are the same. No two two players are the same. And I love teamwork game type of games. So that's why also CSGO really rings into my to my ears is because the fact that it's the same what you just mentioned earlier which is okay it's, it's not just sh- sh- uh, run and gun right so basically you have the call of duty and then you have the overwatch which is run and gun uh, but after that if you run and gun you're not going to maximize your mechanic out of it and that's what i that's what i found that when when there was the mix of valorant coming in so like now you got classes utility classes and and so forth and after that you have the strategy of buying mechanics and the gun mechanics and pacing mechanics behind which is the logic behind csgo and everything but right which is wonderful and but the thing is once you are a diehard fan of siege for example then once you you're you're in a, into it, it really feels like a sports game, a, a sports yep. franchise where you get invested to the players, you get invested to the team, you get in, really invested to the game. Where if you're with your buddies, you start talking about the game match itself because you understand it deeply, which Absolutely. is which is very powerful in terms of a, of a video game franchise. Absolutely, like Siege did a very good job. They kind of did it the same way that League and Dota do it, where you get like emotionally invested with the scene and like that has its good and it has its bad as well like uh there's a lot of good to it like you mentioned it 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 invests the viewer and an invested viewer regardless of if like the current patch is is absolute like garbage or the game's in a really bad place or covid happens and there's no live tournaments an invested viewer will always stick around yeah they're Uh, looking for what's next right yeah, the downside though, and we see this, like I haven't really been super involved with the Siege community since COVID happened, but I still like have a lot of the, the Siege people on Twitter and we still keep in touch and stuff like that. But I don't know if it's just recently that everyone's kind of like building up their, they have like pent up aggression because they're in like uh, isolation or like confinement and stuff like that. But the Siege community has become extremely toxic on Twitter. Like, Really? And that happens. Yeah, and that happens when you're an invested community. Like look at league. Everyone says league is the most toxic community on in esports. Why? Because everyone's super invested. And like anytime you're invested and people attack your, your team or your ideas, then 
that you take it personally, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on in Siege, uh, and a lot of people who are just I, I don't I, I don't like tiering the uh, the the scenes, but you have like tier one Siege, which would be your pro leagues and stuff like that, and then you have tier two and the tier three scene, yeah, and it's more tier two and the tier three scene that are the really toxic ones right now because there's so much overlap between pro league teams and teams competing to get in pro league where before it was a very clear distinction of, okay, these are the pro league teams. These are the non pro league teams. So these teams are doing challenger league. These teams are doing ESL prem stuff like that. But now there's a lot of tournaments where, uh, there's more upgraded. Yeah, you can get upgraded, but there's also more tournaments where pro league teams are playing down with two other teams. Uh, like let's say a G2 would play against, YZ Mirage. Yeah, exactly. A G2 would play against Mirage and then Mirage would win for whatever reason. And then Twitter would erupt with just a bunch of toxicity and and a bunch of stuff like that. Like, but why would they, but why would they erupt? Like I can't, like I find it quote unquote childish is the fact that if they erupt because the fact that, okay, you're the pro that gets like, like, in the pro league and everything, and it's supposed to be the best of the best, but okay, they, they found, they met their match and everything. But the thing is, let's not forget, esports is a, it's a young, young people <laughs> type of, of thing. Like there's yet so much you can do with your eyesight and your wrist movement and everything. And like, it won't right, last. Absolutely. Right? I, think, I think the thing is that people just expect, like, it's like if the new, like, I don't know. It's like if the New York Yankees were to come to like Montreal and play baseball against my group of pickup friends and we absolutely stomped them. Like it's the same kind of that's the mentality that people have is they forget that these players are human. Are, are well, yeah, are human for one, but they're like, ah, oh, G2 lost, G2's garbage, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, obviously G2's not garbage. Like they wouldn't be G2 if they were garbage. Every like it, it happens that people lose. It's just that, that ha- that's how invested people are, that they just become toxic. Uh, but that's going to happen, unfortunately, with any esport, and there's literally no way to fix that. No. The only way you can fix that is to kind of outweigh the negatives with a positive, and I think Siege is still doing that. So it's not at the level of like League of Legends, where it's just you you say the word League of Legends, and then community, and the next word that follows is very toxic. toxic yeah, right? Tra- like, trash and toxicity anybody. comes one in hand. Yeah. And uh, what's it's well, it's it's that pl- it's League and. Dota 2. Like, I find both of them very, very... Like, as a player, it's very toxic. Like, uh, at that point. Now, Twitter and being on part of the bandwagon, like, I mean, we see that in every every sports game, like esports, real sports, whatever yeah. there is. Anything, and like, I mean, yeah. we, we take the Montreal Canadiens. You know how many times we, we, we say, fire their freaking coach. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, no one is more toxic than uh, French-Canadian hockey fans. No oh, one. yeah. Absolutely no one. That's why, like, when people are like, oh, League of Legends is toxic. And I'm like, have you been to Montreal <laughs> during the Habs game? Hello? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You cannot on? walk around. I feel anybody very, very – well, Toronto's not that bad. But if you bring in Boston Bruins here – Jersey, you gonna you gonna you're gonna walk home naked, like period. Like honestly, you, know? you should probably fear for your safety at that yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so the bad. worst part is like the cops won't care. <laughs> it's like you, oh, you, no, you ask yeah. for this. You ask for this. Yeah. You, if you known that you come here as a anti Habs fan just because you're like you're you're part of the Boston Bruins or you're part of the Montreal Maple Leafs or something, we have bad blood no matter what against the Boston Bruins. You cannot bring that stuff here. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. Absolutely. It's just 
there's that level. It's not to that level at, at all in esports, even in league. But it be, it's like to the point where it, it's a little crazy uh, with how toxic some people get in terms of how passionate they are. But once again, uh, passion will always brew toxicity because when you're super passionate about something, uh, you'll never change your viewpoint. Like if you're super passionate about cornflakes being the best cereal and I come through and I'm like, no, cinnamon toast is the best cereal. You're stupid. We're going to have an argument, right? And yeah. it, we're never going to reach a common ground. Absolutely yeah. never. If I'm passionate about cinnamon toast crunch and you're passionate about cornflakes, well then it's never going to happen. And that's what brews toxicity. However, uh, Ubisoft and the Siege community do a very good job of outweighing it with positives. And I think that's a big, uh, big in part of uh, not only the esports player, because the esports players in Siege, uh, front facing, are some of the most like public and vocal. And yeah, I can think of Pengu people. and George, King George, yeah. being <laughs> very animate. <laughs> I, I was talking, yeah, no, I was talking more about like the actual like professional players. Like I was going to touch on the content creators after, but like the actual pros who are playing in pro league. And well, Pengu, Pengu is still in pro, no. No, no, I, yeah, but King George, I don't think. Is no, 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 King, King George uh, retired. Pro, yeah. yeah, so like, I definitely, I think it's a big in part because of them why Siege is such still such a welcoming and accessible esport. Yeah. And not only that, like you said, the content creators, there is a ton of orgs, pro league orgs, that are signing content creators. Why? Because orgs aren't stupid, for one. And for two, if... Not only I'm going to use SSG for example because it's one of the orgs that do the best job and they won media and marketing and yeah and and they have a ridiculously good roster but let's say their roster was mediocre in a hypothetical world but they're signing content creators that the siege community loves yeah well they're still going to make their sales on merch they're still going to like grow their brand um, because of that right so it's very important that orgs do that and they have been doing it. And that's why the Siege community is just so welcoming. You have your pro scene, you have your amateur scene, and then the content creators are kind of that link between. Yeah, because you you want to care about the game itself too, right? You want to make it into a spectator, spectator sport and, and everything. Just like how you mentioned, like anybody can pick up a CSGO uh, game because it's very simplistic. It's basically two teams. You go from eight from one point to the other, there's counter-terrorists to terrorists, then you have to defuse the bomb or you have to wipe out the other team, point blank. But after that, then you scale up on the strategy and and the gunplay and everything, and you you have to respect the players that's playing the game and everything. And that's why I love the fact that there's actually a legitimate league for the women's teams and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. After, and then after that, we take the same concept with... Uh, okay, now we add classes, destructible places, and then after that, it's basically who's whose games now, and and everything. And you know, as as I mentioned, when I when I came in, and I picked up the game. I go, oh my god, I'm gonna have a hard time curving it up. But even despite that, uh, I don't have the entire roster, obviously, but. I felt so rewarded when I actually unlocked character. And but the thing is, not only that. Now it's precious money. It's like, okay, really, which character am I supposed to unlock next so I can move on to the next and feel good about playing the next per next uh, operator and stuff like that? And after, right. I, yep. and everything, and 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 I like the fact that you can still contribute to the team when you're dead and and everything. It brings an entire nail biting experience and everything. And I've I've went into one of these like you know i was just rank i was just playing casual with a few of friends it was uh three of us and two randoms obviously on our team and we were playing uh q matches and at, at the end of it it was i was solo 
and I managed to get three kills, and I wanted to get that ace, but it didn't happen. But uh, it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, you're and going. Then, you're going. Yeah, for sure. I think, like honestly, you mentioned it before as well. Uh, the female league, and I think that's a really, really big part of Siege as well. Um, well, CS:GO the ha- female- has the female. I haven't seen. Forgive right. me, and, forgive and me just, if I'm wrong, but I think I haven't seen any female leagues for Siege. There, there was. There's the uh, the one that Rob Walker and CCS Esports did. Okay. The uh, fem- I think I forget the exact name. I think it was like the female pro league or something like that. Uh, but because of people like Rob Walker, and by the way, Rob Walker is one of the godfathers, I would say, of Siege Esports. Uh, he doesn't work for Ubisoft or anything like that. He's just a passionate guy about. Um, about siege mm-hmm. and the siege scene would not and he got an award at the last si uh community award from ubisoft because of how impactful he's been he's an ambassador basically he's an ambassador yeah for, for he's, the game. he's an he's an amazing person for the game and he's he pioneered that him as alongside sternab uh who's a caster from the uk i think he's from the uk please don't shoot me if i was wrong but uh him uh, alongside Rob Walker and uh, company at CCS made that female league. And if you look at any esport period, I don't think there is anyone who even comes close to Rainbow Six with the amount of uh, female content creators and female professional esports athletes or females in general, just female fans. And a lot of people. Why, well, the CSGO, well, the CSGO. Well, I'm thinking about um, Dignitas, CLG Red. Um, right, but you you think about this. So there are female CSGO teams, absolutely. Like you and I both are friends with people who play them, yeah. play on them. But just look at the sheer, the, you can count the amount of C, female CSGO teams, like female-only CSGO teams, maybe you can count it on, on both your hands, right? If you look yes. at Siege... There is so many girls playing Siege, so many girls invested in Siege, and so many girls who are just passionate about the game. Where are and they? And that is huge for esports. They're all over. Like, that, that's, I, it's, see, it's, see, the thing is, that's why I'm happy to talk to you about this because I love, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm liking Siege here and there. I don't play as much and everything, but I om- I'm only aware of the CSGO Female League, but I'm not aware of the Siege up, Female uh, League. But you're yeah, telling me there's an app amount. Yeah, CCS. If you uh, hold on, let me open Twitter real quick so I can kind of give them a proper shout out. Twitter. Uh, because I feel but bad uh, because I'm actively encouraging this because, it, like I mentioned, it you you need to coach. You this is where coaching matters because you're talking about strategy. You're talking about uh, play style. You are you a roamer? Are you a camper? Uh, how to set up. And these are all the stuff that I've slowly learned by, because one of my friends is a, he actually plays Siege with a PS4 controller on the PC, and he oh, okay. man- yeah. he manages to like carry carry my team and everything thanks to that. And I was like, and I and I obviously trolls him for that as like PC Master Eight, go 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 fetch yourself a keyboard and mouse. Uh, but it's it's the fact that he start telling me i was like okay which operator to take next what do you need to do as you're starting like in the first minute that you minute you drop as a defender put up your uh blockers put you up your shield like yeah absolutely but yeah if you go on twitter and you follow uh ccs just the letters ccs esports and you the actual guy i was talking about earlier rob walker his twitter handle is the third and third is three rd walker so the third walker uh, that's one of the founders of CCS, and then obviously the CCS esports page. They run. Uh, I'm not sure if they still 
do with COVID and everything, but they do, they used to run their own leagues and I'm sure they still do. And they had a female only league and that a lot of people obviously complained about because you can't have anything in 2020 or 2019 without people complaining, but uh, it was huge. Yeah. It was huge for the esports scene of first siege. Like, there is such an un- untapped like girls girls game guys like newsflash hello like females play video games and some of them play even like a ton more hours than you and I both do combined. Yeah, um, I can. Th- and you have to. I can think of Goose, I can think of both. Uh, well, Miss Harvey one like she plays casually yeah. now- nowadays, but sometimes she hops into tournaments and everything, and she does put her hours in like analytically and, and everything. Absolutely, I think of Goose Breeder. Like the girls, the girls, people sleep on like. There's a stigma that esports is a male-dominated. It's not even a stigma. Esports is a male-dominated industry, but it it won't be for long, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot more emerging female athletes. There's going to be a lot more emerging female, uh, perhaps all female orgs, uh, female uh, content creators who we've seen uh, breaking into the scene as well, as well as just females in general, uh, fans, players, stuff like that. It, it's huge to the point where. If you looked at esports three years ago in any esport besides CSGO and perhaps League, you didn't really have many females publicly like that you could just like, oh, there's like a league of 13 teams that are all females. You know what I mean? Like it used to be a pocket, right? It used to be uh, similar to what uh, happened with uh, the people that we know, like Team Center Scout, for example. It's just them versus everybody else but after that i think uh a year and a half to two years after like it would be them plus a minor like one or two more groups that that spawn out and now obviously during uh, land ots uh, 2020 they have both the a team and the b team in in into the overwatch and everything and like but the thing is that's like super hard to get in but now that the fact that you know csgo itself has an entire like uh it was recently the dream the dream hack uh, showdown which is in a european well there's the north american and the european version of the csgo and there were like big money pr- price pool right uh, if covid didn't happen it would have been in uh europe and it would have been 100k like for the price pool yeah, and everything exactly and obviously, like you know, the guys came. I was like, "Oh, why do they get? Why do they get a hundred k?" It was like, "Hey, listen, how many times did the guys have more than a hundred k, and how many times did the women get hundred k?" So, you know, STFU, <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, people like people are always going to complain. And the thing I can tell anybody who is trying to break into any scene in their life, not even just esports, if you're trying to go for a new position at your work, if you're trying to find a new job, if you're trying to, I don't know, get a girlfriend, get a boyfriend, whatever the case may be. Everyone will always complain and no one will be happy with what you do. You just got to just the whole like old saying, just do you like, absolutely. Just do you what you feel uh, is right and best for yourself. And who cares what other people say? Like I've casted uh, events that quote unquote are beneath me as a caster because I like the people who are organizing it or because I found it a good cause. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, so, so casters, there's just like I, I don't I don't like it much, but there's just like a, I don't know what unspoken rule where the more you cast, your your rate will increase, which is normal, right? The the better you get at any sort of trade, your hourly rate or your daily rate will increase, and the if level proven. of events that you will do, improve it, yeah, if well, because absolutely, because you know we we, we we both on the workforce and everything, like it applies to anything, right? Just because you put in the work 
if you suck at it, it doesn't mean that your value right. you, you, have to you need to be a thousand dollars an hour or something. Let me let let me like uh, preface it with saying <laughs> if you're good at your job, yes. then your rate will increase. Yes. And casters uh, sometimes get into the mindset, and it's this is why a lot of casters either burn out of casting or just stop casting, mm-hmm. uh, is because. They get to the point where, okay, I've casted a couple of dream hacks. I casted a couple of events for ESL. I casted a couple of these tournaments. And then an organization, a smaller organization will come up to them and be like, hey, like we'd like to hire you as a caster. And they're like, okay, no problem. It's going to be like $1,500 a day. So like $4,500 for the weekend, which honestly is a pretty decent casting rate depending on what the hours. event yeah. is. Not even the hours, but just what the event is. Okay. $1,500 a day. And a lot of people who are listening might be like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. But yeah, like $1,500 a day is could like $4,500 for a weekend of work could be what a regular caster would get paid. However, you have to know your market. Wait, like if 40, you're going to go 4500 like So that's 4500 Yep. Okay. So some casters will get paid that, some will get paid more. Like if you look at like the, the Henry G's or the machines of CSGO who cast uh, the majors and the like all the big tournaments. Yeah. I'm assuming they're probably getting paid a little bit more than $1,500 a day. I'd be very surprised if they were making that little, quote unquote. Traveling and who's not. And you got to. Oh, yeah. Traveling across the world, staying there for a whole week. Yeah, and everything. And it's not not like pampered. Like, this is your set rate. You go fish. Well, it depends on the organization, right? And they might pamper you. They might uh, do your flights and whatever there is. But we're also talking about how, like, 12 hours, 16 hours of casting. Oh, it's it's yeah. long. Like casting, like people people think that well, just like people go like streaming is an easy job. It's like no, full time streamers actually have one of the hardest jobs in the world just because they work from home, they're alone all the time, and they have to be entertaining for like twelve hours yeah. a day. It's ridiculous. They're, they're, it's super they're hard. a pre pre COVID situation and stuff like that. And not only that, they they're in a room. Like they'll be lucky enough if they are actually in a room with uh, daylight and stuff like that. So, and then they'll no, absolutely. But there's the same thing with casting. Like a lot of people in casting will be like, "Well, I've gotten to this point in my career, and I kind of had that like internal debate with myself. I was like, well, 'Well, I've casted big events, I've been making good money, and now this organization is asking me to cast either for free or for pretty much what would be free with what they're paying.'" Uh, and then when it gets to that point, I kind of ask myself, um, well, I go back to what I say earlier, do what's best for you. So I say, is this a good event for me to cast? Yep. And if the answer is yes, more often than not, I'll just cast it even if it's for like half of what my daily rate usually is or if it's a charity event and I, I'm really passionate or I believe in the charity, sometimes I'll even do it for free because I'd rather some give – the rate that they're paying me, let's say they're going to pay me a thousand dollars for the weekend. I'd rather them donate that to the charity that they're fundraising for. Uh, because casting for me is also pleasure, right? It, I have a, a day job. It's not what I do to pay my bills. And even if it was what I do to pay my bills, I'd probably still react the same way. It's just when it gets to the point, there's a fine line between uh, casters who choose to do that and then tournament organizers who expect casters to do that. And there's a reason why I don't cast for certain uh, local events anymore is because I'm not blind. I see the amount of money they pull in, and then they turn around and they'll say, oh, we don't have the budget to pay casters this year. That's kind of, eh, it's, it's bad. It's bad taste. So there's the flip side where a lot of casters kind of get lost where they're like, oh, I want to get paid for my time but then no one's paying them for their time because they're asking yeah. too much. 
And the only events they'll do is the DreamHack every year because they impress the people at DreamHack and they put on a good show. So you're doing one event a year and you could call yourself a caster. Absolutely. But you could be doing 15 events a year if you were to just understand that not everyone has the budget that DreamHack has, not everyone has the budget that ESL has, and then price yourself accordingly. Uh, and yep. that's like anything in any, life. Any artwork, any, anything that you have to do that. sell yourself yep. as, you, you got to budget yourself to your the audience that's that's receiving the, the service, right? So it's... And yeah, and that's not to say that you're going to like give the same... And, and this is going to be a weird way to say it, but it's not to say like... If I charge usually $1,500 a day and then I agree to cast your tournament at $500 a day, you should expect a quality broadcast for me as a caster, but you are you should not expect the same amount of effort and preparation I will put into an event that I get $1,500 a day for, right? Because casting isn't just show up and cast. Uh, I When I cast a tournament uh, for CSGO or Siege, if it's an amateur tournament, there's about uh, 15 to 20 hours of prep work that I do prior researching players if the information is uh, available my notebooks right if well i find the information because like luckily with csgo and siege even the amateur scene there's a lot yeah. of information around and like sometimes it requires a lot of twitter research so it could go even farther but and if it's a professional event there's usually like 35 to 40 hours of work that's done prior to me even either getting on the yeah. plane or getting to the venue and then when i'm at the venue it's not just all right Grenton, just talk. It's like, okay, I'm talking. At the same time I'm talking, I'm jotting down notes so I can keep things interesting. Uh, I'm writing down important things that happen. So the broadcast team, the production team, when I reference, okay, uh, on round seven, this player did this, they can go back to that highlight and I have the timestamp and everything already prepped. Like there's a lot of work that casters do behind the that scenes. That you need to rebuttal and- live, right? So, because I mean... Right, absolutely. You have to be able to debate live. Like, if you have a different opinion than me and we're co-casting, I can't just be like, nah, that opinion's stupid. I got to be like, no, and then boom, 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 and I list off things. And then we actually have that discourse together, uh, and we're discussing back and forth. And at the end of the day, that's something the viewers love because they're having those same thoughts in their head. But this all comes back to the point where if you're paying a caster, don't forget that if if the caster go, if you ask a caster what his rate is or her rate is, and they go, oh, my rate is... Uh, $300 a day. And then you say, okay, well, I'm going to pay you $150 a day. If that caster agrees, you should expect half the prep work. You'll get an amazing broadcast because a caster will never go on air and embarrass himself on purpose just because he's not getting paid a lot of money. He wants to, everything we do is part of our portfolio. So the caster is always going to want to put on a good show, but the level of prep work and the depth of how good the broadcast will be is a hundred percent contingent on how either motivated the caster is to do your tournament or if you actually paid him his day rate. Right. So there's just a bunch of like, it's such a, it's like anything, right. If I hire an electrician and I go, all right, well, I need you to do this job. And he goes, okay, it's $2,000. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll give you a thousand. And no, it's more like, can you do it for a thousand? It's like, can you do it for that? It's not like, I'll give you a thousand. It's like, what do you think? <laughs> I didn't come all the way. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, can you do it for a thousand? And then if the guy's like, oh, well, I just like talked with Jer- uh, Jerry or Grenton, whatever, for the last two hours, we were shooting the shit about like sports and stuff like that. And we were having fun. Yeah, I'll do it for a thousand. Like I'm expecting the work to be done properly, but I'm not expecting him to go all out. You know what I mean? Like that's just an unreal expectation. And a lot of people disagree with me on that. I've had constant debates with both tournament organizers and other casters who are like, no, I'll give 100% all the time. You're going to burn out. You think you do, but you don't. 
No, I'm like, you think you do, but you don't. Like uh, people think that like at the end of the day, you're happy that you have an event. Like casting is a very volatile, just like streaming. It's a very volatile profession that can change. Like you can have no, uh, whatchamacallit, like no work period, like day, like yeah. overnight. You can wake up the next day and have no work for six months, which sucks. So it's definitely like casters will take all the work they can get. But I guarantee you, if I look at what a caster who does an event for a thousand dollars and the same caster who does a bigger event for $3,000, you'll see a huge difference in their performance because they're just motivated more. But like money is the biggest motivator. Um, but there's a lot of casters and a lot of even athletes who overvalue themselves. Well, the NFL, still, like, we, we look at them pretty easily. It's like signing bonus of $5 million. Well, is, and after that, they're going to get $30 million well, across five years. We're like, what? Yeah, but so the, the difference on that is it's not so much the players overvaluing as it is the teams and the, just the ecosystem that was created in professional sports. But I think like, that, that over-evaluation is coming sports, into the esports teams too. Oh, absolutely. I was about to go into that is that if you look at um, – so Siege doesn't have it as much, but uh, esports that used to be extremely popular that isn't as popular anymore, Call of Duty – there's some Call of Duty players, and I know this because I used to manage, uh, be an account manager um, when I worked at Hacks for uh, a couple influencers and Call of Duty players, and we were shooting the shit. One of the Call of Duty players that I was speaking to told me that the previous year, so not even when he was like peaking or anything like that, he was making just under 12000 US a month. That's not That's counting full-time? his streams. That's not counting... Yep, that's not counting his streams. That's not counting his tournament winnings. That's not counting sponsorships or endorsements. That is just the amount of money that, let's say I'm, let's use Mirage again, for example. I'm a Call of Duty player for Mirage. And just for me to play for that team and wear their jersey, they are paying me 12000 US a month. The, the, the guy was, when I was spoken to, spoken to him, he was 21, driving in a brand new Porsche for 911. 12, for $12,000 a month. Yeah, he was making $12,000 a month, mm-hmm. US, plus all his streams. He's a big streamer as well in the Call of Duty scene, but he was making, I if I had to guesstimate, he was probably making north of 200000 to two hundred and fifty a year, $1,000 in terms of his money that he was getting paid and everything. So I've, I don't know how yeah. US taxes work, but however much it was after taxes, but the guy made that amount of money in a year and his salary is going to increase as long as he continues to perform. We're talking about like, you know... It's crazy. Like, And this is Call of Duty, by the way. Like, this used to be an S-tier esport and for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, it's an A-tier at best. In 2020, yeah. Right now. If we look at like the viewerships, yeah. Luckily, they franchised and it kind of works the same way as the Overwatch League works now where cities have their teams and you have to buy franchise slots. So, Activision uh, was had a good heads up to do that. I don't know how the, I'm not in the call of duty scene whatsoever. So I don't know how the call of duty scene felt about the franchising. It happened, I think last year. Uh, and I'm not sure how the call of duty scene still feels about the franchising, but uh, that's what it is. And now I think they also reduce the teams down to back to four. Cause when call of duty used to be popular, it was four V four, not five V five. So a lot of pros are now free agents because obviously if you reduce the size down to four, you drop one person from every team. So it's its own business. Like Overwatch League was the first to make it 
very similar to traditional sports. Sort of, except you have to fly all, all the way to California for their hub to play uh, and everything. Right, but I mean, that's the same argument could be said about like teams going to play the Super Bowl, right? Like you go play the Super Bowl, whether you're like the New England Patriots against the Houston Texans, that's yeah. just two teams that came to my head. If for, if they choose Miami. the Super Bowl to be in yeah. Yeah. Oakland or Miami, who cares if you're from New England or you're from Houston, you're going to play in Miami. It's the same, it's the same principle. It's just that Overwatch, so Blizzard Activision was the first or Activision yes, Blizzard, I think is the pro correct yeah, yeah. way to say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't get sued or anything. Uh, but Activision Blizzard was the first to do that, and then they did it again with Call of Duty. But I find and it like I can't invest in my city move. if they're not playing in my city. But the thing is, then again, but I but, agree. But, but I agree. I'll, I agree I'll defend. I won't defend that adamantly because the fact that I love Team Liquid. Team Liquid is in Europe. But they have different players in the North, in Korea, Europe, North America, and stuff like that. So I don't have an attachment to a city by itself. What I do find ridiculous is the, the buy-in right. for Activision Blizzard's Overwatch League, which is ridiculous, and that makes right. But that's the thing. Like once again, it comes back to the the no. I don't think anyone makes more money in North America than MLB players, and then worldwide, it'd be like. Players who play uh, soccer, uh, football, like uh, soccer. worldwide football, so soccer, Europe- European football, but uh, <laughs> European football, I guess we should say, yeah, yeah, not American football, the other one, yeah, the one yeah. you actually kick the ball, but uh, who like more. The, and it's the same thing in esports is like we find it ridiculous. I would never, even if I had whatever it is, like six million or whatever the the, the franchise spot is, I don't think I would ever spend that personally. Um, but there are investors and teams that do. So they obviously see a value in it. And because there is a market for it, whether or not 99.99% of the population thinks it's ridiculous, as long as they have six or seven teams to pay three to $5 million for a franchise spot. No, Activision care. Blizzard doesn't care. Like, what I think more is the fact that at the end of the day, somebody's going to be on the losing stick of this. And at us as audience, we're going to get fed up with it. Oh, and we've seen it. Like, if you look at the oh, Overwatch League's viewership, like it's it tanked so hard. Like, I can't believe they moved Absolutely. to YouTube. Same thing with Call of Duty. Uh, they, they, they picked the wrong media to to broadcast. Well, that, that right, and that comes down to yes. and that comes down yes. to a money thing again, right? So they were offered probably a decent yep. chunk of change from YouTube to yep. exclusively stream on YouTube. It's like back when Mixer. Uh, back when it was still Mixer, it signed ESL for a certain event. Mm-hmm. And ESL, instead of getting 300,000 people watching their CSGO event, they were getting 30,000 yeah. people watching their CSGO event. But they didn't care because they were getting that difference yeah. that they would get in ad revenue. They got that from Mixer yeah. in the signing deal. And it comes down to the business of esports, right? And that's something I'm always fascinated about because I work in yeah. sales. I work in finance in my day job. So it's a language that I speak rather well. I'm no expert by any means, but... I, I know enough to get by, but unfortunately the person who will lose or the people who will lose more often than not in situations where companies uh, are making sure to take care of themselves first are the viewers. Uh, the players won't lose. They'll get well taken care of the companies. So the actual developer and the company who's paying the developer for whatever service they won't lose because they yep. have a mutually beneficial agreement. But you've seen the difference in there's a reason the viewership went went lower right it's not because the game changed 
It's because people got fed up of certain things and yep. franchising was part of it. So it's the same. That's why I really hope if you franchise, there's a way to do it. Uh, and don't ask me what it is. I don't know how to do it. I'm not I, a I big brain like that. I still don't see – well, for esports itself, I haven't seen a monetary win-win for both of the side of the coin to make a franchise viable. We, I didn't see it happen on League of Legends. I didn't see it happen in Overwatch League. And I don't know much about Call of Duty to make a point to it yet, but I'm pretty sure that it got hit really hard with uh, COVID. Uh, so, And I think in the right. latest report, something, something, two of the teams just got dropped and it's like game over already. And I mean, like, we're talking... And the only winner off of this is obviously the developer because they're the one that's like taking the money that's like okay here you gave us the money we're good you guys do just just go have have fun in the sandbox and we're and they're looking at they're looking at them as like right, okay absolutely. now what uh, how do we get our our six mil back or like whatever money that we pay oh no that's your problem <laughs> and that's the worst thing because the fact that oh we we broadcast on this particular feed and everything so let it be twitter i mean let it be uh, twitch or let it be youtube or let it be facebook i remember dota 2 had the esl agreement to broadcast that particular tournament strictly on facebook and everybody just basically no i'm not gonna go on facebook because it's facebook uh in terms of right like quality apps and and the whole nine yards and it stuttered horribly you didn't you're not getting the the 1080p or the 4k feed and stuff like that and after i was like you know it, it tanked then after that esl was like okay that was a bad deal we're never doing that again and but the thing is all everything in the the back end kicks is basically as revenue is not going to be up because there's less viewership, less, and if you're doing product placement, there's going to le- be less amount of people that actually sees the product because there's less viewers. So nobody, nobody wins excepting Absolutely. the developers because they already had their kickbacks, and that's, yeah, they already got yeah, their, they already their money. money. And after that, like, who's really to blame? It's obviously the developers. And which the only way to rectify this is if the public leaves them. Basically, they do a walk-off. Basically, like, forget about League of Legends. I don't have any interest anymore. Put it where it is. Put it back, basically. And Yeah. yeah. And that's a, it's a hard thing. That's, like, it's a... I don't know how to explain it. It's just... It's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because happen, the minute right? that you so, see... Oh, we, just, we lost two mils. We still have eight. It, it, it's basically... Yeah, it's basically exactly, wild exactly. to me. Like, it's like, oh, this year we, we, we toppled 10... 10 million users because the fact that we brought uh, the new X expansion, right? Give it two months. It's going to drop down again. Oh, we still have eight. We're still, we're still good. Right. But the thing, so yeah, we can go into like a 17 hour debate about, or not debate, but discussion about the business side of esports. but. Well, I did one hour with um, uh, Yannick already. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there you go. Like, He's going to be able to give you a lot more answers in terms of like why orgs would do what they do or why companies he didn't would do give what me they a, do. He, um, see, I'm the thing is we also dis- – like I released it, uh, the episode – so it's episode 64. I released it this morning and everything. And during the discussion, he was explaining to me about the burn rate and, and how orgs these days are not profitable. They're over-evaluated as if it was a blue – it was a bad – 
uh, venture capital like funding and everything. So basically, they went into uh, Daddy Warbucks, and after that's like here, here's you know it's they they it's like going to Dragon's Den. The industry is one billion dollars, yeah. but you are taking this evaluation of this one billion dollars. You are the one percent. That means that I am ten million. That does not how economy works. <laughs> right. I mean, it comes down to like no in my and and this is a pretty hot take. No team, uh, no esports org is worth. Uh, either venture capitalist or a big time investor unless they're competing in like S plus tier tournaments. So that being like ESL masters or the Dota the TI, uh, the, uh, the TI six international uh, or the six, even six invitational until yeah. the last one they did. I wouldn't even have considered that an S yeah, plus no, tier. For, for sure. But the thing uh, is, okay, I should stop taking rainbow six as an example because they have a very good business model uh i mean like they give a lot of revenue share to the org itself and i've heard uh kevin naki which is a, a who used to sportscast overwatch league and starcraft who's not now part of rogue um the organization of rogue uh he explained on his podcast the fact that the payoff for i think rocket league and siege pays their org they're profitable in that respect versus any other any oh, other yeah, absolutely. games that they win well it's like smite like so i was talking with uh, i don't know if he still works for uh ssg but uh i was talking with i was doing i was the one of the head admins for the madden tournament at dreamhack atlanta and i was talking with the other guy who was uh well the guy who was above me pretty much and he was, I forget his exact role at SSG, but he was up there and he was saying that they were, they were trying to, uh, this was years ago, so I don't think it's any secret, but they were trying to get into the Smite Pro League because the Smite Pro League actually, like they pay the teams to be in the league. And at, when it comes to that is that you just eliminated Cost. All, if not almost all of your overhead, yeah, all your cost yeah. for having a roster signed to play Smite. Like, if, if they're paying you to be in the league, yeah. well, there's your salary for your players. You know what I mean? There's there's so many things that you don't have to pay, and not only that, you get the exposure in a in a esport that you would not really have exposure in otherwise, right? So, it developers who do stuff like that where they do rev share programs like Ubisoft does, or they pay teams to be in the pro league, uh, will always, always be super successful, in my opinion, just because teams are going to want to fight for those spots more than just being like, all right, well, you're uh, Cloud9 or you're TSM or you're G2 and you have uh, $3 million to drop to take this franchise spot real quick. Here you go. It's a, it's a different... It's a, like a, a two sides of a coin, right? And it, I'm curious in the long run, which one's going to be more successful? Well, we see it from TI already, but, right? Uh, 10 years running, 11 years running, sorry, because yeah. 10, uh, 10 years, uh, last year was the 10th anniversary behind it. Uh, right now, 2020, no TI, and the prize, the crowdfunded prize pool is the biggest ever once again at $34.5 million without a tournament. Can't believe it. 
Dota is the best esport period. Um, and when I say best, I mean it in every sense of yeah. the world and the world, the word. It's the most mm-hmm. successful esport in terms of viewership yes. and in terms of growth. It's the most profitable esport in terms of being a player or being an only if you reach or only if you reach part of the brackets if you're playing the the only unfortunate part that i don't like about dota 2 is there's no grassroot well that so that and i'm no expert in dota 2 but that could be a valve issue just like it could be a it's both i would community say. issue so people so like so like uh mtga recently started allowing um independent tournament organizers to charge price okay. or to give prize pools and charge entry fees for their game so it used to be that if you wanted to do an mtga tournament you could give out prizes but you can charge entry fees to the player which meant that the prizes were usually bucks. kind of garbage or it was like or, or, yeah, yeah or okay. it was like a, a card shop a card shop and they're like okay well here's a thousand dollars of store credit right like i don't i shouldn't say garbage because like a thousand dollars of store credit for a magic the gathering player is essentially yeah, yeah you want to reinvest you into your deck right? and, and everything but, like that's yeah but mtga recently uh started allowing um tournaments to be run independently uh, and obviously they distance themselves. They're like, if you have any issues with the tournament, it's not a it's Wizards a of the Coast problem. It's a yeah. uh, shot by yeah, GL yeah, yeah, problem yeah, yeah. or a Grenton problem, like whoever is running the tournament. But uh, they recently started doing that, and it's been going, from what I've seen, it's been going really well. Uh, and it's just the developer giving more leash to the players, right? So same thing with Siege, like the Siege esports scene would not be anywhere close to where it is if you didn't have organizations like CCS and stuff like that putting on their own leagues and their own tournaments. Or you have like Upsurge, I think it's Upsurge their name, they're another amateur league. You had CCS, which for all intents and purposes has players of equal caliber to Pro League, but who didn't have a chance to get signed or didn't have any exposure yet. And they can perform, like you said, in a grassroots setting to get themselves known. So I don't know if Dota, the issue is that Valve is just saying we're the only ones who are running the tournaments or there's just not anyone who's really taking it upon themselves like CCS did or no, no. other leagues I, I did think, to start their own tournaments. I think so Valve I the gave the is, tier but... mode. So basically when they did, when they dropped the DPC, which is the Dota point system. So basically if you, if you have your premier, your major tournaments, so one mil, you have your um, uh, major uh, yeah. premier tournaments, major tournaments, minor tournaments, and depending on how much prize pool you give up, then Valve would say, okay, this this tournament is good for the TI point system, and it gives this particular value behind it and everything, depending on how much money. Right. So I think then I think then the issue lies with people not organizing enough grassroots things so it comes down to just either the player base or the fans or stuff like that because that's how ccs started was just the founders of ccs rob walker being one of them just decided to start a league right so and then it's become one of the most successful uh non-official i guess you could say it's probably official now at this point ubisoft probably recognizes as, as some sort of minor and i'd be surprised if they didn't but it was the first of its kind to my knowledge and 
they're, they did a phenomenal job with it and they're still doing a phenomenal job with it. And I will toot their horn to the end of time because I think every esport needs people like Rob Walker and CCS in it to flourish in an amateur setting. There's a reason why Siege is so popular and Siege is so popular worldwide is because it's accessible. There's a well, ton, access, a, accessible there's a ton is one, of resources well, out there for you to learn. If you're on the and, line, you will get frustrated, but... Yeah, but if you do like a hour of research yeah, before you there's start like playing no the game, websites where are like, oh, here's the map game. layout of the bank. So first floor, uh, like the roof, first, second floor, yeah. uh, first floor in uh, the basement. And after that, here's here's the known places. Yeah. Here's what you gotta yeah, watch out for, and then it becomes study, which is something that I really like. Just same thing like how I got into the entire esports team. I came from StarCraft Two, which is a one on one. But the thing is, the psychology behind it is just like chess. This is your opening play. Okay, I'm gonna counter versus this. Then it becomes a battle of attrition. But after that, I like even better when because yep. I play with my nephews who's a, or who are in their 30s. They kick my ass and everything. But when we play three ways in Dota, <laughs> they can carry me because I'm fucking I'm freaking old now and I can't play as good as I used to <laughs> and everything. But I think it's like <laughs> at least like okay, yeah. they're willing to carry me because they need a like a, a third wheel to play the game. And after that, like at least you know we're having fun. I'm learning the. The, the strategy of the items and, st- and same thing. And after that, obviously, if I play League, it's similar dynamic uh, towards it, because I think the pacing is a bit different and the, the heroes are a bit... The champions slash heroes are a bit different in that particular mechanic. But the thing is, like, I get um, what it is and everything. So basically, at that point, that's where, you know, it brings your will to improve yourself. And that's the number one thing that, like, any sports yeah. let it be like athlete type of sport to esports you want to improve and after that, you want to go seek the masters i.e the pros or the sub pros or the content creators that's like okay what's going on and they'll teach you the strategies they tell you deck yep. building why this particular de- uh, deck work or um strategies of the map and and like they're all that type of things that you need in order to improve the, the into the game, and I like that um, in terms of siege and everything. Now for the for the CS:GO, I just like just like you mentioned earlier, is like it's a pick up and go thing. It's very rudimentary in terms of the rules, but the skill set is very high for the bar and everything. And that's why like it's 50-50 with me on actually attending and watching. And stuff like that. It's just that when I get it, when I get into a CS:GO game, it's just like to vent. It's like I just want to go in. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get killed the minute I I, I see somebody. Uh, more than anything. Whereas, whereas yeah. with Siege, I can get way more invested into paying attention till the end until we lose. Then okay, then well, my my round's over. Uh, I'm not long, I'm no longer useful, and I'll just wait it out and everything. Or like I want to abandon mid game. Or, or something like that. I don't see like a reverse sweep or anything. Whereas for Siege, I can see the reverse switch very easily uh, the, and everything because the other team might get too cocky or something or the map itself is going to be in my favor yeah. if it comes into a, a map that's more advantageous to my, my operators or something and everything uh, in terms of knowledge knowledge set and everything. And it, and it goes into that. What are we? How many operators we're at with, with Siege now? 
like oh and on top of that it's attacker versus many. defenders right <laughs> there you can't you can't repick and that's the same and i think that's where a bit of this like disadvantage i would say comes into valorant and and overwatch whereas like you can have the same hero on both ends and then after that's like oh it, it can technically be a mirror match and it's going to be a skill set whereas siege attacker defenders have different mechanics going in and everything so that that gives another depth in terms of strategy knowing uh and then after all, you start respecting the players that have this kind of knowledge right like how to um do the layout properly that after i analyze the map okay what are you and, and on top of that it's a ticking time like that's that's another thing it's it's uh you're going against the timer of the map in order to uh, to accomplish the, the map point and everything and that's another edge uh onto your seat in order to like invest more as like okay you gotta plan everything out know your map awareness control the map and do this according to the time allowed for for the map so basically that, that that's why i'm like i'm very i'm very uh appreciative of what whatever ubisoft created so far i i still don't like lord tachanka though that that the lord ever <laughs> the since lord. i found out what he is what he is all the about lord. it's like can't believe it and, and everything bah so <laughs> speaking of siege tell tell us a story about siege when the team came in and, and you had to chaperone yeah when when this in, in, when the team invitational came in. six came in you visited bell you met a few of the players, yeah, and the coaches. Yeah, I met I met, I met a ton of the uh, the pro players and uh, the coaches, coaches, <laughs> casters. Yeah, I met a lot, a lot of people from uh, the scene. A lot of people. Woo, it was a pretty, it was a pretty uh, intense uh, weekend. Like I, I'm not contrary to popular belief. I'm really not that. <laughs> like I don't like being social. You know, like it comes so easy to me and I like, I never shut up and I'm super talkative. I just don't like being social. I, I don't like, like I inherently don't like people. But you stream and everything. For and some you're reason. Part of, so I just do don't wow. like. That's a social thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculously social. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying that like, you I don't, don't like know. Maybe I'm a masochist, <laughs> but like, I would prefer, no, not, not only touched, but like, I, I would prefer okay, to just kind of like introvert. be in my corner playing video games. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I say I'm an introverted extrovert. You're a human. That's that. that that's, that's how I describe myself <laughs> to people. Yeah. So it was a pretty intense weekend. Like it, it was draining. Well, there was, was a, a lot draining of weekend to the point where like <laughs> I was. Oh yeah, there was definitely a lot of alcohol. But like <laughs> alcohol eliminated. It was just I was not. I'm not used to being that social. Uh, like when I cast, it's different, right? Because I, I go from like. Uh, the hotel room to the event and like I'll hang out with my like little circle of people that I know who are there and then I'll go back to my hotel room and I'll go do the next day yeah. and then I kind of it's like go to work go home kind of thing uh, but when I'm at an event as a spectator I don't know how they do it man like there's so much going on there's so many people like who are like oh like come hang out or come see like or like I want to meet you or whatever and it's just people like content creators like i'm not famous by any means but content creators who are a lot bigger than me or esports players who are a lot bigger than me i don't know how they do it it's exhausting but you're in a different um place and city right you gotta take it at the moment it's only once a year right 
Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I had a blast, and I'm not like I'm not playing like the world smiles, smiles, violin. And it's like, oh, boohoo! People wanted to hang out with me. Like, it was a blast. But like after the weekend was done, I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody for like five days. Like, don't call me, don't text me, don't show up to my house. I'm staying in here for five days, and I'm gonna look at a computer and just play video games. Like, that's all I wanted to do. But it was an amazing, amazing right. weekend. Like, right, don't get right, me wrong. Right, right, right. Did any that was actually no, that was last was it last year? No. Were you there every year so far? Uh, Plus Bell. I would ever since they've been at Plus Bell. I, so I don't know if that times. was once or twice. I, I don't twice. remember. I think it was twice. I think I I think I've been there twice. I was there once. The one we were talking about yeah, was because two thousand nineteen. I think you weren't. Were you already there? The most recent one, I didn't sh- go for like the full event. Uh, tw- I just 2020, for, like, a, a tw- the twenty twenty one was weird. The it I happened the at the same time as Land OTS, and I was really, I was. Yeah, that's the one that I did. That's the one I went to for one day, and then the year before, so the twenty, yeah, the twenty nineteen one I went to for the full weekend, and then the twenty twenty one I went to for a day yeah. just to kind of say hi to people from yeah. the U.S. and Europe that. Are my friends right? But that's that was pretty much the extent of my SI mm-hmm. for twenty twenty. Well, at least, like, but the thing is, like, you you have to take into the moment. It's like fine, you you get to do it. You you might not like it that much, but the thing is, like, they came all the way to the northern Canada in our on our minus twenty. Well, so, so that I don't like it. Like, I I love the people that I actually get along with and people that I consider friends. It's it's rare, but. I do like I do have friends, and I obviously do enjoy spending time with people. But I need it in like short bursts, you know. Like it could be my family, it could be my girlfriend, it could be my anyone. I just need like short bursts. Like my girlfriend, I guess, is an exception. I hope like, it's an the exception. Rest is pretty much short bursts. If I hang out with the same person, yeah, yeah, Monka, Steve, but yeah, <clears throat> if I hang out with like the same group of friends for too long, it's like. It's not that I don't like them. It's not like I like them less. It's just that I just need my oh, me wait. time, you know? Did you ever go uh, to Vegas uh, with, uh, with uh, Citizen? No, if yeah, I ever went to Vegas I, with Citizen, I think I that's what think I keep on back. hearing. We keep on challenging me. We keep on challenging yeah. each other. We'll see each other uh, in Vegas. And we. I think it's going to be the worst words kind of both of our mouth, like saying that. Like, yeah. Yes, yes. It's going to yes. be the best, worst decision and of I can't, your life. I can't take it back because I'm getting too old for that shit. So True. what's uh, what, what, any upcoming projects that you're doing? Um, so there is. So I'm, I currently got uh, currently, I guess, previously, <laughs> recently. That's the word. I know English. Guys, I'm a caster, okay? I, I get paid I'm to not speak, paying him now. But uh, so yeah, uh, I recently <laughs> Yeah, there it is. True. Um so I recently got affiliated partnered with a uh organization called Ready Raider. It's going to be my little plug segment. So Ready Raider is uh currently it's essentially a platform where you can manage your guild in classic world of warcraft and uh you can uh set like raid times raid teams uh loot history attendance like everything you need to do like admin work you could do on the website they even have like a discord bot that you could set up uh signups for your raids and people can react with what class they are and stuff like that but not only that they do tournaments 
PvP tournaments. And they most recently did a uh, 3v3 uh, tournament in Classic WoW, which was casted by uh, OG Jeffrey and Rockman, who are also other affiliates with Ready Raider. And they did a phenomenal job. The tournament was amazing. But they just announced today, so I could actually talk about it, uh, that they're going to be doing a Warsong Gulch League. So Warsong Gulch, of you, uh, yep. for those of you who don't play World of Warcraft, is a battleground. Oh, they, it's a they 10 versus it 10 it capture the flag battleground. Oh. Um, and oh, wait, it depends. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I think of my, my days as a, uh, as a think... tune. Uh, as a... Yeah, when I was a tune and I was level okay, 19 yeah, yeah. or 29, yeah. I played Warsong Gulch a whole bunch on PvP, but it was 5v5 uh, with my... Okay. Right. Yeah, so this is a 10v10 uh, pre-made. So they're doing a tournament. There's there's no official date prize? for when it's going to be. But uh, okay, honestly, the prize pool is also being kept under wraps. I believe the prize Ooh. pool that they had for the 3v3 tournament was 3K. Uh, and if I go to... Ooh. Yeah, first place was $2,100. Uh, second place was $600. And third place was $300. Um, so third place got a hundred bucks each for playing a game that they love. And first place, I don't know how to nice. do math that fast, That's but they 700. got 2,100 divided by three. Uh, so, uh, there it is. So you got 700, um, and they're doing the Warsong Gulch one. So I'm assuming the prize pool is probably going to be a little bit bigger or they might just pay less places. Mm-hmm. They might just pay like one and two instead of one, two, three, but it's going to be a pretty intense event. And, uh, whether I'm working with Ready Raider as a caster or whether I'm working with Ready Raider, because mm-hmm. I do have a lot of experience uh, tournament organizing uh, as well. I've done work with DreamHack and stuff on that front. Uh, I will be working with Ready Raider for this tournament and for this project. And it's one of the, it's something I'm super passionate about. They announced it today and I'm super, super stoked to be a part of it. Um, so that's going to be coming soon. So make sure you're following uh, Ready Raider on uh, Twitter, I believe their handle is it's ready Raider on Twitter, and you make sure you're following me as well because I'll be posting updates for that. And it's Grenton BTW on Twitter. Uh, but that's the most recent project, I guess you can say. But then also, I guess my personal project would be that Shadowlands, mm-hmm. uh, the new World of Warcraft expansion is coming out October 26th, and I'm going to be uh, no lifing that probably for the better part of. <laughs> whenever the hype dies and whenever uh i get the raid content down so wow is kind of it's taken me out of the esports that i've built my reputation in and that's probably the same reason that i decided to rebrand myself is that I'm no <laughs> i was about to say you're no longer handsome, handsome. i'm like what happened to your caster, face <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, I'm no, I'm no longer handsome. I'm just ugly. But no, I'm no longer handsome. Live the uh, FPS caster. I'm Grenton, by the way, the freelance caster. And um, WoW is my passion. It's always been my passion. I've been playing WoW uh, since Burning Crusade. I think that made me like 13 years old. Oh, or so I have old. one up against you. Um, so I, I, I played. The fact that I, I played it when it was classic, people. classic, like vanilla, yeah, vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I played. Correction, I played the last week yeah. of Vanilla is when I started playing the game. Uh, but I was like level 7 when Burning Crusade came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, so okay. by no means did I play Vanilla World of Warcraft. But I'm so, so thankful that I found uh, Ready Raider and I found uh, Grimmy, who is the one of the uh, founders, I think the founder of Ready Raider, because I love esports and I obviously love WoW. So now the rebrand and everything, it came at a really good time and I could kind of make my, my, my name 
again. Like, I don't mind starting from scratch, but I can make my name again in World of Warcraft and build my community. Like, my streaming community, it's a small community. Most of them has followed me through. I started doing CSGO. I then did uh, Siege. I then now jumped i then did gta rp i then went back to siege and now i'm doing world of warcraft almost exclusively full-time with a little mtga sprinkled in i, I suckered you into that uh, game that's, the, that's the- <laughs> i'm so grateful that my community <laughs> yeah you suckered me into it absolutely and i fell in love with it but i'm so thankful that my community followed me and i'm so thankful that i found ready raider and people like grimmy who are super as passionate as me when it comes to vanilla world of warcraft and and uh well classic world of warcraft and esports in general because they do i don't know how much i'm allowed to say i saw grimmy pop into chat for a second but i don't know because i'm streaming at the same time for those of you listening to the podcast when it releases but um i don't know how much i'm supposed to say but i know they they want to branch out into retail i think that's probably as much as i want to say and retail is a i love retail uh i love arenas so i'm super excited to work with the Ready Raider team, and it kind of just, re- I guess, rekindled the fire I had as a caster. Uh, because I'll be completely honest with you, I've never <laughs> casted something that's harder to cast than World of Warcraft. Like, it's, so watching, like, let's use retail for example. Watching retail arenas is confusing as all hell. So a good caster, Wait, you got to explain what's retail really, really well as a caster. So retail, yeah. so absolutely, you're right. So there's two World of Warcrafts now. Uh, there's classic World of Warcraft, which yeah. uh, one to sixty is the vanilla for those. World it's of one to sixty, but with all the official add-on added yeah. to the the vanilla, because you didn't have the map finder, the quest finders, the easy play look. Yeah, so all the add-ons and yeah, so all of the add-ons in there, it, it's it's as yep. close to original World of Warcraft as you can get in 2020. And retail is the current game, which currently the level is 120, but when Shadowlands come out, they're squishing it back to 60. But nonetheless, yes. retail is the current version of World of Warcraft and classic as well, the classic version. Yep. So retail arenas, there's obviously a lot more abilities going on. There's a lot more flair to the spells, like a fireball mm-hmm. in classic looks different than a fireball in retail, for example. Um, and... Casting it is super difficult because it's super difficult to follow along if you're a viewer. Two people who do an extremely phenomenal job at breaking it down are Zico and Venruki. Both though both people were professional WoW players and played in the World of Warcraft, like the BlizzCon Arena Championships, and they have turned caster. And they do a phenomenal job of breaking down the gameplay to... Uh, a language, I guess I could say. Yeah, they're breaking down the gameplay to a language where um, the a new pl- a new player or someone who just plays World of Warcraft and never does arenas, or even someone who's brand new to arenas, during the play by play they'll be confused if you've never played World of Warcraft. But then afterwards, when they actually break down what's going on and why a comp yeah. and like why one comp is better than another comp, um, they do a phenomenal job with that. And I think that World of Warcraft is probably the most difficult game to do that in. Dota probably being a close second. Um, it's really hard to properly explain what's going on. In because there's so much stuff going on in Dota. Like, yeah, but, yet so much uh, like, no, it's definitely, map density. Because all I see uh, popping up is like the hit points, right? It's like spam, 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 hit points. It's like this, this is on cooldown. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, the, the thing is in... The thing is, in retail arenas, you don't like the spectator client. You don't actually see yeah. 
the numbers. You see the health bars moving. You see uh, people uh, people's health going down, people using their cooldowns, abilities going off, but it's all up to the casters to explain to you what's happening. And WoW casters are stupidly impressive uh, from what I've been seeing. I've been following the WoW esports scene, both in Classic uh, there's two big players in Classic. There's uh, the CDL, which is the Classic Duelers League, which is run by uh, Tips Out. And there's Ready Raider, who literally have just like burst through the door out of nowhere. Ready Raider's like, what's up? We're here. This is what's going on. And they're, they're just picking up so much traction. And uh, it's going to be... A, it's, I, I'm getting like, if CCS is to Rainbow Siege what Ready Ready Raider will be to WoW. That's what I'm getting the vibes from from Ready Raider. Like, the people are super motivated. They want to see the the scene flourish. They want to see the scene succeed. And it's going to be... I I already... Like, I'm on their webpage and I already see, like, they're going to host Dota 2 in October 2020. Yeah. They're branching out... Exactly. They're branching out to a bunch of different games. Uh, they, They want to be that hub... Uh, that that hub that you think of when you think of uh, either like tournaments or uh, management tools. Like I'm super excited to see what they decide to do with retail. Like I said, I don't work for them. I'm just affiliated with them as a content creator, but I'm very, very excited to see what they do. And it's genuinely like a, a partnership and that I actively sought out for myself. It wasn't them who were like, Hey, granted, let's sign you. It's like, no, I went to see them and I said, sign me. I want to be a part of this journey. <laughs> Quote unquote, sign me. Like it's an affiliate. Uh-huh. It's an affiliate. Like we're not getting married, but I said like, let me be a part of this, this journey with you guys. I want to grow. Like I want to grow with you and I want to see what ready Raider can become. And I want to help uh, because I'm super passionate. Like I said about esports, I wouldn't be on this podcast if I wasn't. And obviously the only game, actually there is no game out currently that I love more than world of Warcraft. So I'm mixing those two together finally. And while my my viewership, my fan base, and all this stuff has taken a pretty massive hit, I'll be completely honest, I am by far uh, happier than which I've is, ever been in terms of Which is of the most important thing. Uh, like, I, mean, I think that's probably the most important to thing. To sunset uh, this episode, like, I mean, it's the most important thing, no matter what, right? It's, like like I mentioned, it's like uh, esports itself with the over-evaluation and stuff like that, where you're heading and stuff like that. The most important thing is to... Like what you're doing. If you don't find it any more passion to whatever you're doing, like, so yep. you've done CSGO, you've done Siege, and now you're doing World of Warcraft. If you're not into it to explain to the viewer that you're into it, and that's what make a great caster in the end. And that's why, like, you know, what, that's why it needs to be paired, uh, in my opinion. When you're watching something, you are invested into the caster. And I think of it as wrestling, too. Like you know, WWE it had Jerry, Jerry King, the, Jerry the King Lawler, and Jr. as the best duo of all of all times, casting the one phrases, analyzing and then everything. And I still remember when when I was younger about everything that they've said regarding Stone Cold and everything. And it goes in the same thing right. with any of these sports too. Like you want to get excited, and we know, like we know a few casters here and there, like. Uh, uh, True Lie, for example, from uh, Ontario too. Like he brings in his personality in and everything in terms of CS:GO. Yep. We have you also going into when you were casting, and if you like 
what you're casting, you bring into the personality, you bring into the knowledge, you're able to, you know, bring, like you want to do the research, you you get less drain in, in the end of it. You know, like it's, it's, it's the same thing with me when I do my photography stuff. It's like, why did, you know, doing Lano TS or DreamHack, it's, it's more than 12 to 16 hours like a day and everything, especially when the tournament starts at 9 a.m. and everything. I usually miss them. Uh, because it's super, super early and everything. But at the end results, like I love seeing everything that happens like during a full day of, you know, meeting people, seeing people play, bumping into different type of orgs, players and everything. And on top of that, the the little small events, small booths, everything that happens. And on top of that, if I know a game that's like happening, like Siege like CSGO or whatever, or league and everything. And I know what's happening. Like I want to see the high pro level of playing playthrough and everything. It seems like, okay, can I actually be equal less or how far am I? It's like, Oh, I'm pretty far, <laughs> but bottom line, you got to like what you're doing and everything in order to get passionate about yeah. it. And, and you can sort of hear it as you portray the casting. Cause if you sound boring, everybody's going to know. Right. So with that, right, thank absolutely. you very much, Renton. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was definitely a fun, we went for uh, an hour and a half. fun talk. And we went for a bit. Hopefully, I'll get you back on for more Pretty, uh, about these subjects. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds Let good. me know, and uh, we thank can definitely you. schedule another one. It was super fun. Thank you so much. Take it easy. And boom, you have reached the end of the Chronicles of the Event Ninja. Thank you very much. Now, if you be so kind, you can follow me on Instagram at, at shotbygl, on Twitter at shotbygl514. And also, do not forget to visit any of the links that I put on the show notes in terms of mentions or from my guests itself. And I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.